Welcome to Living Lit, where conversations spark inspiration to live in truth. Journey together with us to explore what it means to live a liturgical life and walk in the truth of our faith. Let's instill a culture in our hearts, homes, families, and world, living a life cooperating with and walking alongside our Lord. I'm Robin Brueggemann. Let's be a light, share the light, shine the light, and live lit. I'm super excited to have you joining us today with our first show of launching of Living Lit, which is Living in Truth and Living Liturgical. And I'm so excited to have a very special guest on today where we're going to talk about the liturgical year, which is going to kind of marry the two together. Living in Truth, soaking in scripture, um, and doing that through the liturgical year, which we are in the process of switching into the new liturgical year. We're just finishing up the end of last year starting the new year, and as people can see from their missiles at church, they're getting to the very back of their books in their pews at church, which signifies that we're getting to the end of the liturgical year and we're going to start new. So I have a very special guest, Father Christopher Cowles, on today. So Father, will you introduce yourself, and then we're going to chat about liturgical life. Very glad to. But first, Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my name is Father Christopher Cowles. I am currently the parochial vicar in pastorate Oh, 19 or 23, or it'll have a new name soon. So we'll just, <laughs> um, in the pastorate with Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Lambert's, and St. Therese Parish. And um, serving largely Hispanics, but also um, in the various parishes of St. Therese, as well as St. Lambert's, which is a wonderful pastorate. Mm -hmm. And um, born and raised from Yankton, South Dakota, youngest of five kids, uh, went to seminary and was ordained in 2011 uh, with some well-known priests of our diocese, Father Jordan Sampson, Father Anthony Urban. Mm -hmm. And then uh, first three years in Pierce, South Dakota, way to go, governors, St. Peter and Paul. <laughs> and then from there, made my way to um, Sioux Falls with an immersion experience in Mexico. Yes. So only spent about six months at St. Michael's before they kicked me out. And I ended up at Our Lady of Guadalupe since then with a short stint down at USD yes. with the students on there. So it's it's a great pleasure to be with you today. I am so happy. Um, you are actually one of the priests in my pastorate because I'm from St. Therese. Yes, I am. So it's kind of fun that I get you every so once in a while. Yeah. The stars align and you're at St. Therese. Um, but there's a fun fact that someone might not know about you. Is that, that? Mm, I tell you, you quick share a fun fact about you and we'll see if it's the same thing. What's something someone might not know about you that you like to do? Uh, that I like to do. Um, some might know this, but not everyone, that I like to make chain mail. Yes. That's one side hobby. Show people what is chainmail. So chainmail is um, where you take rings of metal together, and it's similar to what you would see with uh, medieval knights. Yeah. So knights and ladies and so forth. So I like making the chainmail. I've got a full suit of it, but I don't wear the whole suit all the time because, first of all, it's really heavy, and second, it makes me sweat a lot. So I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I want to see it sometime. <laughs> well, that is one thing that I do know about you. Another thing is that you're pretty good at throwing axes. Yes, I do enjoy tom walks. Yes, so, but I don't remember you coming out and trying it. You know, next time you're out to the farm, I'll try okay. it. Okay, okay, yeah, excellent. Maybe, Are you? Sh I don't know if you want me to. Yeah, anyway. we can try it. <laughs> so fun things about you too, but um, one thing that you and I share and have in common is that we really have a love and passion for the liturgical years, exactly. year, which most priests do, obviously. Um, but I feel like you and I kind of have bonded over that just because we just have like this extra passion for um walking just like really diving into it kind of mm -hmm. and immersing ourselves and um living liturgical is something that our family has kind of stumbled into i think by accident well we all live liturgical and we're going to tell people mm -hmm. what does that even mean what is liturgical year 
Um, but quite honestly, anybody who's watching this, they're already living liturgical. If you um, are paying attention at all to anything in the Catholic Church, you're attending Mass. If you um, observe Easter or Christmas or, Christmas, or Lent Advent, or Advent, Advent all you're already living liturgically. You are already living in the church here just by showing up to Mass. But what I really want to kind of expose people to and show people is that there's a bigger picture to the liturgical year. And once you become aware of it and your eyes are open to it, and we're all invited in to do this, when we take that leap into living that a little more intentionally, your faith life can really explode and you just... um you start to think a little bit more about walking with our Lord, I think, on a more daily basis. So I am anxious to chat with you on that. And so will you start by telling people what is what does liturgical even mean? Um, I know it ties to liturgy. Most what definitely. is a liturgical year? Liturgical, just understanding liturgy itself, is liturgy is the work of God. So it's we are entering into God's work when we have liturgy. Um, and liturgy can be um, both the worship that we have in Mass, the various sacraments that we celebrate, even sacramentals that happen at various times. I know lots of people love to show up on the Feast of St. Blaise, for instance, so they can get their throats blessed, um, or at other times throughout the course of the year. Each time period has its own kind of celebrations. So when you think of the seasons that we have in a natural year, we have summer, fall, winter, and spring. Now, if you're in the South, you're probably going to only be dealing with summer most of the time, but we are blessed here in South Dakota with having those four seasons and each of those seasons brings with it particular dynamics. The same is true within the course of the Catholic year. And it's reflected both in the colors that we wear during the course of the year, um, in the kinds of celebrations that we have, also in just the overall sense and feel of the music and the styles. When you go into Advent, you oftentimes get these very haunting but beautiful melodies, like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And then in Christmas, it's this grand rejoicing and celebration. Ordinary time has all of the hymns that we're very much used to, when you move into Lent, you end up in this kind of a penitential flair and you allow yourself to walk with Jesus in the desert. But then you reach that culmination of that season in the Holy Triduum, which is a season all to itself, just three days in the midst of that, which kind of blows your mind with all the pomp and the circumstance and the solemnity and the beauty, and then moving into Easter itself. But each time period um, finds itself like joining together both the saints, the angels, um, the life of Jesus, the life of Mary, and all of these becoming this way in which we really are entering into a rhythm of life. Um, and that rhythm is natural for us. Every single one of us has those natural rhythms that we have in our families and our homes. But the invitation, I think, with Living Lit, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is to take what we receive within the church and actually bring it into our homes, bring it into our own personal lives allow the celebrations that we have or the solemnities or even the moments where we're filled with sadness as we see these difficult mysteries and to allow them to become part of our lives. Yes, absolutely. It um, extends, especially if you're going to Mass on Sundays or Saturday nights, mm -hmm. it's extending um, what's going on at that time in the church, that day, that weekend, that week, whatever, and it extends it. So it's like, it's more than just, okay, I'm going to Mass and it's beautiful, it's great. It doesn't need to stop there. We exactly. can bring it back out. And that's what we're called to do, right? Is to go out and share what we've received, right? But if we bring it into our life, into our homes, whether we're married or have kids and share it with them, or we're living that or just have that awareness and we're living from that, then it goes into our workplaces and just being out and about. Um, so I, yeah, I love yeah. that. Even, I even when you think, for instance, of 
the one of the Benedictine models, Ora et Labora. So with Ora et Labora, they have their times of work, but they have their times of prayer. And the whole idea with their times of prayer is as they meditate on the hours or they pray the Psalms or they meditate on the scriptures, they draw that into their times of work and it becomes this enlivening feel to it. Um, I know um, a couple of my professors at seminary, they had kids um, that they gave not only just one name to, not only two names, but three names of various saints. And each of the kids would celebrate every single year, each of their saint names. So they were having a party like every other week because this family had 12 kids. I was going to say, of a big family, well, you're partying all the time. Yeah, like 12 kids, <laughs> each of them has three names yeah, and you yep. have these parties going on. Yeah. But it's a beautiful way to be entering into the liturgical season and also recognizing all of these heroes and people that we can uh, venerate mm -hmm. and pray to in the course of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So a normal calendar year, like for what, if we're not thinking church-wise, we go from January to December, our normal calendar um, <laughs> through the year, but the church life goes differently and it's usually switching in November-ish. Yes. Probably all End of November, about. start of December. Yeah. Always. And we end with a very, very special feast day. And that is Jesus Christ, King, King of, of the, the universe. universe. You got it. Shorten Christ the King. Or for my Hispanics, um, Cristo Rey. Yes. 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 Viva Cristo Rey, right? Yep. Viva Christ Cristo Rey. Um, and it's so beautiful because we're ending the current liturgical year with this. It's huge. We are celebrating Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, King of the universe. Yeah. And the church is reminding us to hold, to have him reign in our life as Jesus Christ, King of the universe. It's amazing. And then we start the new liturgical year. And that starts with the first week in Advent. And what I love about this and how um, how you're just so invited to live the life of Christ in our faith is we start with Advent, the beginning of our church year, the liturgical year, because we're waiting. Jesus hasn't been born yet. So we're going to start at the very beginning of life with Christ, right? Before he comes. And then we're anticipating his coming as a new baby. And we're walking with Mary and with Joseph. And we're having this long awaiting, which like they did years ago. They waited years and years and years for the Messiah to come. And we just get this little glimpse into what that was like, if we'll let ourselves slow down during Advent and do that, to prepare for Jesus's birth, to celebrate his birthday. Um, but also the church at the same time is reminding us, okay, we're preparing our hearts for the long haul. We're really preparing ourselves for heaven and for Jesus Christ to come again one day. Like he will come again. Like, that's amazing. Some people think we already came. Well, yes, but he's coming again. So what I love about the church year is we, if you start in Advent, which the church is already doing, and, and people watch us are probably already doing this. They're already entering into Advent. But when you think about the church and all of its beauty, they the, this is already laid out. Like we didn't come up with this. The church came out with this. It's been in place for thousands of years, right, of mm -hmm. what's happening here. So we're going to follow along, you know, through Jesus' birth. And then as he grows past that, you know, Christmas comes and then we live the life of Jesus after that. So it's this natural progression of Jesus coming. We're waiting, all waiting him. He's born. We work through his life, his baptism, you know, his growing up years. And then we get to walk with him um, through his life of his teaching and his preaching and his healing. And when we will let ourselves enter in more fully, I feel like we're getting this at Mass every Sunday, and we can read the daily readings at home, and um, we'll talk about how that's a great way to fully enter in. 
but we're just we're walking this natural life. So thinking about like, you know, normally we'd follow our calendar year, January through December. But in the church year, we can think of it more like, okay, now we're starting with Advent. Advent, moving on then, to Christmas. Yes, moving, moving. So yeah. do you want to walk through the the year past yeah. Advent? So we start with Advent, the awaiting of our Messiah. Most definitely. One thing that's oftentimes something we miss, though, is as the liturgical year comes to an end. So end of November, coming up to Christ the King, we move into this period of awaiting the second coming. Mm-hmm. Now, it's so interesting because it becomes this almost perfect transition. We're awaiting the second coming of our Lord. We're thinking about the end times. We celebrate Christ the King so that he is the Savior of our life, but also we prepare for his coming into our hearts. And then we move right into Advent. And Advent has this particular shift that always happens. The beginning of Advent is also focused on his second coming. And then it moves towards um, reminding us of his first coming. And also, um, as Bernard of Clairvaux has written many times, there's also a third coming. Every single Mass we go to, every day Christ wants to come to us. So Advent, we have that beautiful way of celebrating it by reminding ourselves with the Advent wreath. Mm-hmm. As the light grows brighter, we know that the light of Christ is going to come into this world. And then finally, we have the celebration of Christmas, which is finally. this. <laughs> it's finally, but I don't know. For some reason, I find myself loving Advent so much Advent because so that, that particular time in which you're singing those hymns that are all in preparation, that are asking Jesus to come into your life, um, there's moments that I wish it would be prolonged. Now this year it's going to just it's short this end year. right on the yeah. fourth Sunday, and then boom, we're right into Christmas. Um, and it's it'll be a special time for all of our priests as well, who are going from one thing to the yes, next, for sure, as well as us. Be praying for y'all. <laughs> yes, very much appreciated. But once you get into Christmas, then you have all of these wonderful feasts that are in and around that as well. Yes, you have Christmas. Christmas doesn't stop. It doesn't stop on. December 25. Exactly. It's us season. Because we continue on with the celebration of the Holy Family, the weekend usually in between that. We move on to the celebration of the Epiphany, Mary, Mother of God, and then on to the baptism of our Lord. So we we take the time during the course of the Christmas season to look at that early life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we make this kind of a switch. Now, in the earlier calendars, um, the Christmas would actually extend all the way to the presentation. Yes. At the start of February. Yeah. but we take a little bit of a break to enter into ordinary time. And within ordinary time, as you mentioned before, there are actually cycles of readings. And those cycles go throughout all of the year. So it gives us a different flavor each year as we go through the Gospels of Mark in year A, uh, with some pieces of the Gospel of John during the course of that summer, as well as going into Luke in year B and then year C. Oh, I think I switched that around. So Matthew and then Luke and then Mark as you make your way through. But each of them are so beautiful as they encapsulate and look at um, these beautiful stories of the life of Jesus. And then you move into Lent, beginning first with Ash Wednesday, this penitential season that we enter into. And then each Sunday is even themed. The very first Sunday is often known as Temptation Sunday. That doesn't mean that you go and be tempted on that particular day, <laughs> as much as it might you might want to, but you try not to be tempted. And then from there, you move in if it's um, if in that time period, you're preparing especially people to receive the rites of baptism, uh, first communion and confirmation. Mm. Lent was made for them, for them in preparation for Easter. So you recognize that entire time is preparation for us to not only prepare them for their sacraments, but for us to renew our own sacraments in that life. And as we go through these really rich and beautiful readings, preparing then as we enter into the very end, the culmination of what's known as Passion Tide. Mm -hmm. So the last two weeks before you reach Easter and before you reach the Triduum, is known as Passion Tide, and it was oftentimes marked by people covering statues with, yeah, with purple and violet, which you'll sometimes yeah. see. 
Um, some will even remove holy water from their churches to remind wow. us we're walking in that last final period. And then you work into Holy Week itself, the holiest of weeks in the entire year. Um, when we're walking with Jesus from the moment of his entrance into Jerusalem to his last supper, his passion, his death, and his resurrection. And it's, as you mentioned before, it's so beautiful because we, while we can't be with Jesus in the way he lived his life, to be with him for three years as a disciple, we get the chance to kind of summarize it down and encapsulate these beautiful moments in each day and to walk with Jesus. Imagine what he was going through, what was happening in his heart, what Mary was going through in those moments, walking with the disciples and growing as disciples of Christ. Lifelong missionary disciples of God's love. I think that does. I've heard that before. And then from there, Very moving into the, the Easter season. And the Easter season, oftentimes, once again, we kind of cut short. We're like, yay, we have Easter. And people go out and get their candy eggs and so forth. Yeah. And they forget, like, no, this is the largest season um, outside of ordinary time. Mm -hmm. It's lasting a full 50 days. Because it's something we really need to celebrate. Exactly. Like, keep the celebration going because this is crazy. We're celebrating Christ rise, dying for us and the rising exactly. from the dead. Exactly. But the difficult part is sometimes we don't know how to celebrate for a long period of time. Right? <laughs> we're like, let's just do a real quick party. And then we're done. I was like, no, this is more like a marathon than a sprint. Yeah. Right. And we have to take our time to look at these various aspects of what it means that Jesus is risen. And then we move into his ascension and then finally Pentecost. And the interesting thing about Pentecost is while it's one day, the rest of ordinary time is meant to be us living in the spirit, living with the spirit within us and growing within us and animating us for the rest of our lives. So yeah, we're going to continue meditating on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, his time with his disciples, his healings, his miracles, all those sorts of things. But we're then meant to be animated by the Holy Spirit that has fallen once again at Pentecost to make us a truly Pentecostal church. So then we, you're still, you got us to ordinary time and then that brings us to the end of the year. Yeah. And ordinary time, what's so interesting is it's such a large period of time. So typically it, it will often take us from April or May all the way up till November. Mm -hmm. And you might say, well, is there anything special about living lit in those periods? Well, of course. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at ordinary time in that in, uh, over the course of those many months, there are various high points and various other moments when we really enter in. Um, I know some people have recently um, gone through um, the St. Michael's Lent. Yeah, uh, which I've they've been seen. hearing about that a lot lately. <clears throat> and St. Michael's Lent is a small little period of time right around the Feast of St. Michael and St. Gabriel. Which is September, yeah. October. End of September. Yeah. So people would go through a small little period yeah. of seeking to grow during the course of that time. Mm -hmm. Just as Lent is a time of intense and powerful growth in our spiritual lives, they're like, well, why don't we have more times like this? Right. Well, right. all time is meant to be growth, truthfully. Right. But... Sometimes we need that extra push. And the church is great about pushing us in that direction and saying, okay, what are you going to do? Is it just going to be chocolate? Or are you going to actually grow closer to the Lord? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so beautiful. And the other thing I want to point out is that for a long time, I didn't understand. Like, I thought ordinary time was just like ordinary. And then it pointed out to me. Yeah, because it can seem boring, but it's like, well, it's not. There's so much going on in the life of Christ during that time. But it doesn't mean ordinary, like ho hum. Yeah, we don't need ordinal. to get into an Eeyore approach. Yeah, right. Uh, Eeyore, right. Saying, oh, it's just ordinary. Yeah, so it when, means ordinal, yeah. like ordered, right? Exactly. Or like the ordered. numbers, because throughout the church week, we're starting with like the first Sunday of Advent, the second Sunday of Advent, or week, whatever, third week. And then we ended entering after that to the you know first week of Christmas, second week of Christmas, however many. And then we start first Sunday in ordinary time, 
So the Sundays, the weeks, there's 52 Sundays Correct. in a year, and every Sunday is numbered with the church year. Correct. And so we're following it ordinary, ordinarily, like numbered as ordinary, what yeah, ordinary exactly. time means. Um, yeah, so I love that you point that out. And I think a person might be wondering, well, okay, so you did mention, I wanted to go back to you mentioned that there's, you mentioned ABC. So the church year yeah. operates in a three-year cycle. cycle of ABC. So right now we're in, mm -hmm. uh, we're finishing up cycle A and moving into B. So you're going to notice in the course of our lectionary, and this is uh, for our Sunday Masses, for our Sunday Masses, because yep. yep. the daily Masses are actually on a totally different cycle of even and odd years. So I didn't right know now, that. Yeah. That's so right fine. now, we're going to be finishing up Matthew, finishing up that gospel, coming to these moments of Jesus' second coming, and then it'll come to a final end on Christ the King, and then, boom, we shoot off into Luke. Mm -hmm. And as we enter into Luke's gospel, we're going to see various aspects that weren't covered by Matthew mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. enter into that time period. Um, so each of these particular Gospels has their own way of demonstrating and showing Jesus. But it allows us, in the course of the year, in the, in the course of the liturgical year and the course of the three-year cycle of readings, to go through all of the Gospels. Mm -hmm. um, previously, before the Second Vatican Council, there was a set reading for just one year. It was a one-year cycle. Hmm. Uh, but after that time period, they allowed for a three-year cycle. And it became so popular within the Catholic Church that it actually spread to other churches throughout oh, the world. Wow. So there are various other uh, ecclesial churches or communions, Protestant groups that use the cycle that the Catholic Church uses because they're like, huh. well, I mean, I could preach on what I want to preach on, yeah. which would be the same thing every single Sunday, yeah. or I could allow the readings of the year to, to teach me and to lead me mm -hmm. closer into the mystery of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the other really great thing about that is it's universal. Exactly. So that means through all of Catholic land in the Roman Catholic Church, um, the readings are the same everywhere, right? And exactly. so the cool thing about that is if you need to hit mass at a different church, whether it's in your city or you're traveling, or like when I had kids away at college, I knew they were hearing the same thing at mass that I was hearing. It was the same scripture readings and it was the same kind of topic and theme. And I still felt like united to them, even when they were away. But then when we travel, we can you know, go to mass somewhere else. And we're like, okay, we're getting the exact same thing that we would have back home. Exactly. So I love the universality of it. Um, and then I also love that since the church is so purposeful and beautiful in coming up with this um, and, you know, going with this rhythm, that whatever we miss the first time around, or maybe it just wasn't speaking to us the same, whatever, it's not hitting us the same, it's yeah. gonna come back again. And Either, you know, we'll rehear it, awesome, but maybe exactly. it's just going to hit us different because like the church has its different seasons of feasting and fasting and joys and sorrows through the life of the church as we're walking with Christ. That's really all of our lives. We yeah. all have joys and sorrows in our life, um, ups and downs, and we all have times where we're celebrating and we all have times where we're just kind of feeling fasted and we're out in the desert, whether we're wanting to feel that way or not. So what I love about the church is that it has this in place for us and it's waiting just saying you're also invited into this we want everyone everybody to step in a little bit deeper like so you're already living exactly. it you are you already are receiving um the beauty and benefits of the liturgical year but if you feel god inviting you know calling you he is he's inviting everyone and and, yeah. and we are too right now you and i are inviting people please step in a little bit deeper with us explore it a little bit more because then I feel like when you're um, going through the joys and the sorrows of life, the church year is just right there. Um, 
you know, sometimes it's mirroring it wherever we're at in life. But then there's also times where it's not, but it's teaching us because we're learning and living more with Christ. So then when we do have times of great joy, we know where to return the gratitude for that joy. But also in times where we have sorrow in our lives, we know where to look then, which is can be so obvious. Of course, we know where to look to God. But I feel like the church year, I know for um, myself and for our family, it's just become like this added bonus of like a, almost like this blanket there to like, um, I don't know, does that make sense? Because when you're living with it totally the church, does. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a total added layer once you will, um, if you want to accept the challenge and step inside, it's almost, it's not a new world. It's not a different world that's always been there. And, and also I think there are different seasons in life. Because I have that too. There's times where I'm like um, living along with a church year um, more so than others. Or, you know, we can get busy and we know it's there. But then once we um, really invest in that and step into that, it's just so beautiful. And so um, it's just very fulfilling, I think, or something to just have that connection and just that, I don't know, so yeah, like a blanket or something. Well, that makes sense. One of the things that... Um, priests and religious do on a regular basis that they also play, pray through what's called the liturgy of the hours. Yeah. And in the midst of the liturgy of the hours, we also follow the seasons exactly. And we allow ourselves to go through particular Psalms. Now, mm. for years when I was in seminary, people would say, but I don't feel like praying that Psalm right now. I don't feel like I'm in that place. But there's an idea in which you're beginning to unite yourself with people who are in that place, mm. who are in that zone, who maybe with David are finding themselves feeling persecuted or pushed away. Or they're in a moment of great joy and happiness in the midst of their lives. What happens is we unite ourselves, not always just because it's how we feel in that moment, um, but we allow ourselves to feel with the church, to unite ourselves with the church. Um, which is why for some people, like it's difficult and they even call it kind of depressing to enter into like Ash Wednesday in that mm -hmm. season. But I also know some people were like, I need this. Yes. They're, why? Sure. Would people be rushing to come to a church on Ash Wednesday yeah. when it's actually not a holy day of obligation <laughs> to get their ashes? But they're always Wednesday. packed because people know there's a season for this. Yeah. And I need this right now. I really do need something here. And allowing ourselves to unite our, our, our lives, our hearts, our minds with what's happening in the church in those moments. And the church is very conscious about that. Not only in the course of our liturgical year, but there's also particular days in the course of the year where the church gives us votive masses to pray for the harvest yeah. or to pray for um, an increase of rain if necessary, yes. because the church has never been divided from the actual year. Mm -hmm. Now, in more recent years, you notice this kind of competition between our Christmas season, typically, and Advent. Over here, we're singing Christmas songs at home. <laughs> and then at home, we're trying to be like, oh, oh, come, Emmanuel. He's like, no, he's already here. Um, and <laughs> we find this kind of interior conflict. Um, but it's an invitation. <laughs> it's an invitation to go deeper and to really prepare ourselves. So, for instance, yeah. one thing that I've had to do over the years and that I've chosen to do over the years is because everyone already has their Christmas trees in Advent, I d decide to do an Advent tree instead of a mm -hmm. Christmas tree. So I put out the purple and or the violet and oftentimes pink ornaments, and then I'll shift them at the Christmas season, the colors of Advent. Yep. Now, some people think I'm just a Vikings fan. Um, which isn't necessarily the case in that time period. But I'm like, no, those colors are because of the Advent season. Right. And then I take things down and change out the colors for a more joyous feel at Christmas. Oh, and we've been mirroring that actually at Our Lady of Guadalupe for some years. 
So we'll put the trees up in Advent and then we'll move towards that and then actually light up the trees on Christmas to show that movement. Love it. As you're saying that, something else that occurred to me that is very beneficial in kind of living more with a liturgical calendar than our like normal calendar is you can, and I think when we're living um, not not being as mindful and and that's there's no fault in that many people you just you don't know what you don't know exactly um but when you are um living the life with the church on a more daily basis or even just weekly but entering in deeper you're able to live i think more um that life than the secular life so the secular life is already pulling us into a we saw christmas this year before halloween Mm -hmm. like at stores and stuff and so when we, it would be easy to get caught up in the, you know, like in, in Easter, the same way. Every holiday is the same way that the stuff is coming out way before it's time. And then when the actual day is there, it's like, you feel like, oh, I've already been doing this for all, just because I've been seeing it everywhere, right? Exactly. So when we're following the life of the church, we're invited to just, no, just slow down. You don't have to be living this way ahead. You just need to just stay with Christ, because when we're walking with him in the church here, we're just walking alongside him and we're able to prepare for the certain feast days or whatever days, feasting or fasting, we can prepare for them properly. Then we can really fully enter in when it's actually that day or that season. actual day of celebration. And it's so much more beautiful and glorious when we do that. But it's a hard thing. It is hard because it we is. live in a secular world where all you have to do is get groceries right now and you're, you have christmas screaming at you already you know so you can't avoid it but um yeah. my encouragement and that's what i really loved like trying to look to the church year before looking to the normal the kind of cultural secular cultural, year secular year. yeah yeah so how would you recommend um someone get it so with the liter the living lit show um i want to just invite people into the church year to just kind of break it down because this can seem kind of overwhelming we don't want that at all because it's not we're just kind of laying out what is the church year so that way when they hear that or they see they get to mass in the week or so and they see the beginning they're at the beginning there's new books new pictures new we're at the <laughs> beginning that they have this awareness like oh we're entering into something new and different um so it's how um can we invite people in more? So we'll be doing that through this show by um, different resources and what it looks like to live in the liturgical year and the liturgical life and live in truth because we're living with Christ. We're living in, in truth. Um, what's a couple quick things that you would recommend to people other than going to Mass? Obviously, going to Mass is the absolute best way to live liturgical. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would be a couple of suggestions that you would offer people? Um, it's a great question. One of the very important ways is, um, and this is a suggestion for not just living liturgical, but also just preparing ourselves well for um, whenever we go to Mass, is to make sure that you don't just have these missiles that are at the church, but you also have resources at home, whether it's the Word Among Us or Magnificat, things like that, which allow you in the midst of the year to follow along with the readings and see what's the color, what's the season, and they'll often give you reflections on those sorts of seasons. So that's one piece of it. Another is the music itself. Like, for me, I try my best while listening from time to time to country and pop and things like Mm -hmm. that, I try to listen to also the music of that season outside Mm -hmm. of church um, and be very, very intentional about that. So I'll make a playlist on Spotify or Pandora of classics from Advent or from Christmas. And a person could pretty easily search that. Oh my gosh. There's lots of people who've done it. um, And you just take the time to- Or just follow you on Spotify. (laughs) I need to work on my playlist before you follow me on Spotify. 
Um, I'll keep that in mind though. Um, but to look those things up and to actually listen musically to those particular seasons. And then to allow yourself, as you mentioned, just to slow down, to pray, to listen, um, to figure out, okay, what does this season mean to me? Um, as we begin, oftentimes you're getting going to get the interpretation of that particular priest or the readings, which are good. And those are going to give us so much insight. But then we have to ask the question ourselves, what is this season? What is this celebration mean to me? And how am I going to live it when I leave the church or when I'm at home or when I leave from mass? Those are ways that you can actually continue to do that. Um, whether it's car conversations or finding different things you can do. But one thing we've also mentioned in the past as well is food. Yeah. Food is very liturgical. We have and to eat. Yes, we do have to eat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't need to eat for a while, but uh, most of us see, yes, we most of us, we do need to eat. Um, and with that being in mind, there are actually foods that we know are actually liturgical. Yeah. Um, so entering into those particular seasons. Um, so allowing ourselves with the feasting and the fasting mm -hmm. that are natural within the church to also become part of the natural rhythm of our lives when we're at home. So all of these are simple ways that yeah, we can simple, do so. But very meaningful. So exactly. Yeah, we'll explore more of that as the show goes on. Um, so as we wrap up, I do. does your church give out calendars? We do. We do. We so do. you'll probably see a lot of these this time here at yep. many parishes, not all parishes, but many of them do have a liturgical calendar, which yeah. runs January through December like we're used to. However, it yeah. has all of the year of the weeks of the year of our church marked and exactly. all of the feast days and sprinkles and saints days and things like that so they're very helpful that's a really great way i think to start living liturgically and um even just entering into like some daily readings which um well another one other piece is sometimes people ask what days are holy days of obligation well it's very helpful having these calendars because you can actually mm -hmm. check and they'll often mark when it's a holy day of obligation and when right. you know that you need to be going to church yeah. so if you're not super connected with the calendar you have that there it shares you with you when those times are important and when we desire you to be at church. Yeah, yeah. And there's many apps too, which um, I'll yeah. actually link some of those in the show notes, I think, so we can share with people different apps. That's such an easy way to live with a church too. So as we're getting ready to um, get sent off, um, so with the new year, we have a way you can celebrate at home Ooh. is you could have some, this is non-alcoholic, we call it kids wine at home. And um, you could have your own new year's party at home with your family. We could do it with your husband, with your wife. You could invite friends over, college kids, have a New Year's party um, with non alcoholic for yourself. wine. Yeah, I just don't know if I could talk at the same time. Uh, <laughs> but celebrate the new year. Like, this is exciting. Um, I won't set it down. This is exciting that we have a new liturgical year. So celebrate with a little New Year's um, bash. And also, thank you. Something I really want to send people off with thinking is, um, how do you want to grow spiritually? With a new, like when January... December 31st and January 1st comes around, we're like, oh, what do we want to do to change our life? What, what do we want to do to, you know, X, Y, Z? This is a really great time to be thinking about what do I want to change in my spiritual life? How, like, how do I want to grow? Um, what can I add in or remove that will help me grow closer to my Lord to um, help me have a more prayerful life? How can I feel more connected to my Lord? So, that's something I would just really encourage people this time of year because it's a little bit quieter now than when it's like after Christmas exactly. and it's New Year's, the the calendar year. So be thinking about that. Like, what do you want to do to grow in your faith life? Um, you know, there's so many resources and we'll provide some things, you know, throughout on the show too. But how does someone want to really grow closer to our Lord? Be thinking about that. I would just encourage people. One last thing that I would mention, and this is something that I, I learned from actually uh, Dr. Chris Bergwald. 
one of uh, uh, people who work here with the diocese, um, is he's mentioned that each year as they move into the new liturgical year, he takes the time to either read a commentary or to look for that particular gospel. So I think it was a little off before. I think it's Matthew's the first year, and then it's Mark with John and then Luke. But just imagine if you were to take the time to read through that gospel, start to finish, so you really get the feel for it as you enter into that year. That can also be a beautiful way of reflecting and entering Absolutely. Absolutely. Scripture. Scripture is always a great place (laughs) to start. Well, Father, thank you so much for being on today. I always appreciate learning from you. Thank you so much. You as well. God bless. So it's good. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. Remember to like, subscribe, and share Living Lit and reach out with topics you'd like tackled at livinglit at sfcatholic.org. And be the light, shine the light, share the light, and live lit.